grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So often we seek to justify those whose behavior falls short by saying, but, but his heart was in the right place. And that's exactly wrong. St. Paul says it kind of the other way around. He says that that's actually our problem. He says, if you do everything right, speak the truth, understand all mysteries and have all faith, give away all that you have and even die, but have not love, you gain nothing. Our problem, when we talk about our sin, our problem is exactly that our hearts are in the wrong place. The reality of being a sinner is not that your heart is in the right place, but you just have trouble getting your actions right. The reality of being a sinner is that we go around actually generally doing fairly good things, but our hearts are not in the right place. And when our heart is not in the right place, then even the good things that we do get twisted, and they end up not in the right place either. Our love is disordered, misdirected, lacking, broken, and that is the source of every other thing that is wrong. We know this when we study the Ten Commandments with the small catechism, and we hear for each one that we should fear love, we should fear and love God so that... We do not misuse God's name, so that we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor our father and mother. Do not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet. And our failure to keep those commandments reveals the failure of our love. Every action that breaks the commandments reveals a heart that is not in the right place, a heart that is not directed in love towards God, a heart that is not resting in the love of God. In the, the service of private confession, where you, where you confess specific sins that are troubling you to the pastor, part of the introduction to those specific sins is this confession, that I have not let his love have its way with me, and so my love for others has failed. Our problem is that our hearts are not in the right place. And so the healing of our heart begins, strangely enough, with the healing of our eyes. Love cannot be restored unless our sight is restored, and that means seeing Jesus. We heard this very vividly in our gospel reading, as the blind beggar cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And we heard it when Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately then what happened? The man recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. The action follows when the heart is in the right place. 
But it is far more than just that at that moment the man's eyes were healed. Jesus said to him, your faith has made you well. And we see this in what follows. Not just that he recovered his sight and could walk around freely, but that what he did with the ability to walk on his own was not to walk on his own, but to follow Jesus and to give glory to God. The healing of the man is revealed, not merely in the functioning of his eyes, but that he follows Jesus and glorifies him. So the healing of the man then did not begin when his eyes first started working, but rather when even before his eyes worked, when he saw Jesus for who Jesus actually is. The crowd, the crowd told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. But did you hear what he cried out? He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He could not see Jesus of Nazareth with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith he saw that Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus, the son of David. He is the Christ, the promised Savior. The blind man couldn't see anything. He couldn't see anything but Jesus and who he truly is. And so it was that Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. So it is that he recovered his sight because Jesus saw him and Jesus stopped and drew the man near to him and had mercy on him just as he asked. And that is exactly how it is for you. Don't get confused by the mere accident that your eyes are functioning, you know, maybe more or less. In the chapter on love that we heard from 1 Corinthians, St. Paul makes this same connection between love and salvation and sight. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The perfection that we long for, the promised fullness of our healing, of our salvation, consists exactly in the fact that we would now see clearly, that we would see, as Paul says, face to face. It is the dimness of our vision that holds us back now. And when we see clearly how we are fully known by God, then we shall also know fully. And that means then that we shall love fully. And then, and only then, will our hearts be in the right place. For besides the falsity of our hearts being in the right place, there is another false saying about love that goes around. And that is the saying that love is blind. And this too is not just wrong, but exactly wrong. Love is not blind. Love is the only thing that sees truly. Mere infatuation may be blind. A passing fancy may be blind. But love, the love that the scriptures speak of, the love that comes from God, that is not the mere fondness of ignorance. Love is exactly that which sees the person truly and still is devoted to them. To die for a stranger may just be the result of a sense of duty. It might just be the sad accident of a hazardous job. But to die for your wife or child, whose faults you know, 
and to know your faults. That is love. Before the healing of the blind man, our gospel reading began with a seemingly disconnected passage, and yet it is deeply connected to the miracle that follows. Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they, the disciples, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. There is nothing blind about the love of Jesus. He is traveling to Jerusalem, and he knows exactly why he is going there, and he knows exactly what is going to happen. Jesus sees that the Jewish leaders will betray him, mock him, treat him shamefully, spit upon him. Jesus sees that the Romans will flog and crucify him. And he keeps on walking to Jerusalem to die not only for the disciples who don't understand what he's talking about, but to die even for those who are going to put him to death. To die for their sins, for the sins of the whole world, those who believe in him and those who reject him. Jesus does not imagine that these are good people at heart and that their hearts are in the right place and they just have their actions a little bit out of line. No, he sees them truly and fully. And then what he does is he goes and lays down his life for them. And as Jesus says, no greater love has man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. And oh, what grace that God should call even these people his friends. This, this is love. And when Jesus tells his disciples these things, you can tell that they don't see it as we say. They don't understand of it. You know you get that that blank look, the shrugged shoulders, the glances back and forth to one another. What on earth is he talking about? And that's actually not the worst of it. There's other times where Jesus says these things to them. He says it over and over. And not only do they not understand, they actually reject it and tell him, no, Lord, this should not be so. They don't get it. They don't like it. And Jesus knows that. And still, he takes these 12 disciples with him to Jerusalem to die for them, takes even Judas, who he knows is going to betray him. And knowing all these things, Jesus reveals his love, that he gives us his holy supper, and then on that same night is betrayed, beaten, mocked, spit upon, crucified, died and was buried. This is love. And it is the love that on the third day rises from the dead. And this too then is exactly how it is for you. Jesus, he knows that your actions fall short. Jesus knows the more bitter truth that your heart is not even in the right place. Jesus knows that you do not let his love have its way with you, and so your love for him and others fails. Jesus is not blind. Every fault of yours, every sin, every wandering of your hearts, Jesus sees it all. Jesus, as St. Paul said, knows you fully, completely. He, in fact, saw it all before you were even born. And so what does he do 
for you. He does the same thing that he did for the disciples, for the people in Jerusalem. He loves you. In fact, Jesus gives you his gifts. He gives you baptism, making you a child of God, covering all of your sins with his blood, even though you have your whole life ahead of you of sinning against that love over and over again. He gives you his pastors to forgive your sins, not just one time when things went too bad, but again and again and again. He prepares for you the same feast that he prepared for his disciples on the night when he was betrayed. There's a reason why that's how we begin those precious words of institution. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. Jesus is not blind. He knows and sees you fully, and he loves you, and he dies for you, and he gives to you this very day the fruits of his cross that give you the gift of sight, the faith that sees, that here is your life and salvation, the faith by which you are made well, not just for your life here and now, but unto life everlasting for eternity. And God shows you this love in Christ over and over again in your life. As many times as your eyes go blind, he opens them again that you might see and know the truth that he knows you fully and loves you. He speaks to you in word and absolution, opens your eyes to see the salvation that he has prepared for you in his body and blood. He does all this that by his love, calling forth your faith and love, that you will come to what he has promised that the day will come when you know fully, even as you have been fully known, that you will see truly and know perfectly and completely the love that God has for you, the love that he has poured out for you without limit. And in that love, you will then be healed. You will be made well, not just better, but well and good. Your heart will be in the right place and your actions for all eternity will follow from that goodness as you know the one who has fully known you and given his life for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.